everyone, and welcome back to the Practicology Podcast. We are kicking off the new year with a series of episodes on various spiritual disciplines, what one writer has called the habits of grace. And I'm very excited to welcome a guest to the podcast to do the first episode of the series. This is my friend Thomas Seal. Thomas is going to talk to us about the habit of reading and learning, the spiritual discipline of reading and learning. This, of course, includes reading our Bibles, but it also includes other forms of learning too, as we'll discover soon. So Thomas, welcome to the Practicology Podcast. I know you're going to be basing your teaching from the little letter of Jude. Why don't you start by giving us some background to the letter? Thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure to be on this first uh, episode of the year with you on the Practicology Podcast. We're going to be looking at uh, the little letter of Jude, and Jude writes this letter because he's concerned about false teachers who are influencing the people to whom he's writing. This is how he opens his letter in verses 3 and 4. Jude writes, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about your common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. The whole reason Jude is writing to these people is because, as he says, there are people who have crept in. There are false teachers who are pressing in around these uh, these believers. Uh, Jude continues on talking about these false teachers in verses 17 to 19, where he writes, uh, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. You see, the recipients of Jude's letter were under great threat of false teachers. It was the last days, and they were all around, and Jude is very concerned about them. And just as they were at risk, we are at the same risk. For Jude says, along with the testimony of all the other apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the last days will be marked by false teachers. Now, you might find this confusing. How could Jude write a warning about the last days? Aren't the last days ahead of us? Why is he writing to a first century audience warning them about the last days? Were they in the last days? Are we in the last days? Well, we see if, if we read our New Testament as a whole, I think we find that the last days are actually a period of time. It's the entire period between the first and second advents of Christ. So the recipients of Jude's letter were in the last days, just as we too are in the last days as we await the second coming of Christ. So we must all heed Jude's warning. Thanks, Thomas. I just want to underline what you've said. Yes, it's very important that we do heed Jude's warning. I used to think that all the New Testament warnings about false teachers didn't really apply much to me and to uh, our church circles. When I heard about false teachers, the only examples I could think of were the JWs that would come to my door. And so I took these warnings as, don't believe the stuff from the Watchtower Society. But now I sense the urgency of these warnings much more keenly. The internet and all our mobile technology has made false teaching available at a whole new level. Plus there are the implicit messages that constantly come our way from advertising, from songs, from stories and movies about things that are completely opposed to the truth of Christianity. Implicit messages like follow your heart or true freedom comes from asserting yourself, not submitting yourself and and other messages like that. And so I feel the urgency of Jude's warning a lot more these days. And Jude doesn't just give us a warning, right? He also gives us a solution. Yes, that's right, Mike. Jude continues on with his solution. 
after his warning in verses 17 to 19 about these false teachers that will permeate the last days, he goes on to say this in verse 20. He says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. It's that first, uh, that first statement that we're going to focus on, building up your most holy faith. And contrary to the false teachers who bring only division, Jude says that we must build. So what then does it look like to build up our faith? We're going to look at three points that will uh, help us build our faith. First, we're going to see that faith is doctrinal. It is not personal experience or ideas. Second, we're going to see that building up our faith is centered on Scripture. And finally, we're going to see that to build our faith, we're going to need teachers to help us along. So first then, faith is doctrinal. It's not about our own personal ideas. You see, the most holy faith that Jude is talking about is a faith that is made up of doctrines. That's what he says in uh, verse 3 when he says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. While each of us must exercise personal faith in Christ, the faith is a discrete set of truths. It is not something that we, can, we are free to mold and shape as we please. This is why Jude believes it is necessary to contend for the faith. This is something universal that must be fought for. As we see in the book of the Acts, that the content of the faith that the new believers in Christ devoted themselves to is the apostles' doctrine. This is the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. What the apostles taught is what we must know and contend for. Yeah, we hear phrases a lot right now about my truth or your truth or our truth. As if truth is whatever we make it to be. It's a commodity we own. But I think Jude would have had a fit if he heard those kinds of phrases. Jude would want us to think of God's truth and Scripture's truth. Absolutely. Really, all truth is God's truth because God is the foundation of truth. But we have a special revelation of God's truth in Scripture. And that's the focus of the next aspect of looking at building up our most holy faith. To build up our most holy faith, it must be centered on Scripture. You see, false teachers twist Scripture. Scripture is the center of the contention with false teachers. The apostles that Jude mentioned who warned about false teachers uh, coming in the last days warn about how false teachers twist the scriptures. Consider Paul's words in 1 Timothy 1 verses 6 and 7 where he warns Timothy saying certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Peter concurs with the apostle Paul when he writes in 2 Peter 3 verses 16 and 17 there are some things in them, which he's referring to Paul's epistles, that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. You see, the false teachers twist Paul's epistles and they twist the scriptures and they do it to their destruction. But the way to counter this is not to further twist the scriptures, but to know the truth correctly, to not be carried away by these lawless people and lose our own stability. Truth is the antidote to error. Paul gives much the same solution as Peter does uh, further on in his charge to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 7, speaking again of these people who, who twist the scripture, Paul says to Timothy, have nothing to do with irrelevant silly myths, rather train yourselves for godliness. Our faith, the faith that we hold as central the Christian faith that we believe must be centered on Scripture. 
Scripture is God's revelation, and it must be our central guide for knowing God. We ought to be like the psalmist in Psalm 119, which extols the wonders of God's word. Consider a few verses from this extraordinary psalm to see the how high a regard the psalmist has for God's word. Verse 9, the psalmist says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Verse 18, he writes, Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. In verses 34 and 35, he continues, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Verse 97, the psalmist declares, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And nearing the end of his long psalm extolling the wonders of God's word, the psalmist writes in verse 160, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Thomas, it strikes me that what you're saying here is very countercultural. You've said, first of all, that our faith is doctrinal. It's not just based on our personal experience or some vague spirituality. And the second thing, which goes along with that, is, is you've said it's, it's scriptural. It's doctrinal. It's objective. It's, secondly, it's scriptural. We don't get to modify it. It's scripture that defines what is true for us. And and now we come to your third point, which I think is even more countercultural and humbling, maybe, for us. And it's this, that we need teachers to help us. It's not just my Bible and I. It's my Bible and I and others to help me understand it rightly. Yes, that's right, Mike. We certainly affirm sola scriptura, but not solo scriptura. While the scripture is the only source of revelation in matters of faith and Christian practice, no individual can understand it in totality, in isolation from others. So then, in our pursuit of building up our most holy faith to protect us from false teachers who twist and pervert God's word, we need teachers to help us along in this learning process. You see, none of us has an exhaustive knowledge of all Christian doctrine. None of us has perfect judgment. We can meet people who say things that seem to sound uh, very good or very Christian, and our judgment can be flawed. We need teachers to help us along. We need teachers to help show us the truths of Scripture. We need teachers to model how it is we can read and mine Scripture for all it's worth. Paul tells us this very thing in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 14, where Paul writes, He, and that is Jesus he's referring to, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You see, Paul says that God has given these men as gifts. Not that these uh, particular things, being an evangelist or shepherd or teacher, is a gift, but rather they are the gifts. They are gifts that God has given to the church. God has given the church, the apostles, shepherds and teachers, to equip the church, to build the church, to unify the church, to mature the church, and to protect the church. The role of these men is to open the word of God and to train us in these various ways to protect God's church. So how can we learn from the teachers God has given? Well, the obvious one is we learn from them in sermons. As we listen to them open up and expound God's word on Sundays or other days of the weeks we listen to recordings, it is their modeling to us how to read and understand our Bibles, and they also are showing us the truths 
of doctrine from God's words. But we can also learn from teachers by reading what they've written. You see, not only have many teachers devoted themselves to preaching God's word, but they have devoted many, many hours to writing about God's word. They have devoted thousands of words to writing about the doctrines found in Scripture. And libraries and bookstores are full of great works. There are modern books, but there are many, many great old books that are worth reading. But another excellent way from, to learn from teachers that God has given is through friendship or mentorship. To seek out uh, someone in your local assembly who you see has been given the gift or is a gift of, from God to you in the church as a teacher. To learn from them, to become friends with them, to have them personally show you how they study their Bibles or prepare a sermon. To, have, to read books that they may recommend to you that they have read and profited from and think that you could profit from as well. You've been laying a very heavy emphasis on truth in this episode so far. But in the next verse, Jude relates this building ourselves up in our most holy faith. He relates it to the love of God. Let me just read the verses again. Jude says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. So, Thomas, I want you to unpack how those two relate. We're talking about the spiritual discipline of reading, of learning, how does this relate to our experiencing and knowing the love of God? When Jude charges his audience to keep themselves in the love of God, he's not saying that they must earn God's love through building their faith in prayer. Instead, Jude's statement goes something more like this. Keep yourselves in the sphere of God's love. See, this is actually the main verb of Jude's statement. The main point Jude is trying to draw is that he wants the people to keep themselves within the sphere, the atmosphere of God's love. And building your faith and praying in the Spirit are participles describing how we maintain this atmosphere of love and enjoyment of God. Learning about God in the Scripture and in books written by gifted teachers nurture our love for God. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, I think we have a tendency to pit these two things against each other, to pit truth against love. But Jude is actually telling us that as we grow in our understanding of the faith as we learn more truth about our salvation it will help us know and experience God's love I want to just bring this now and focus it right onto our our times of devotions with the Lord our reading the Bible and and praying C.S. Lewis said this he said for my own part I tend to find the doctrinal books often more helpful in devotion than the devotional books and I rather suspect that the same experience may await others. I believe that many who find that nothing happens when they sit down or kneel down to a book of devotion would find that the heart sings unbidden while they are working their way through a tough bit of theology. C.S. Lewis's quote fits right in with the Practicology podcast. The learning of theology, learning more about our faith, the truth of God and of his salvation, is not an obstacle to enjoying God's love, but it serves our knowing God's love. And C.S. Lewis is saying, maybe the spark that's lacking in our personal devotions is that we're maybe too focused on little devotional aids and helps, where if we really wanted these times with God to come alive, we would work our way through the Bible and maybe through a book that teaches us some theology as well. And so this is why 
uh, as mentioned in our last episode, for our February reading challenge, we have chosen a book of theology to read through. It is a short book. It's very accessible. It's called Key Bible Concepts by David Gooding and John Lennox. And we really encourage you to get a copy. The last episode's show notes show you where you can get a free electronic copy. And if you prefer a non-Gnostic hard copy, these are readily available as well. And so in the month of February, we're going to read through some of these chapters together. And we're just going to let these truths blow us away by how amazing they are about our salvation and about our God. And each episode will draw out some of the massive practical implications of these truths. We hope that everyone who participates will discover how enriching it can be to fill our minds with solid doctrinal truth from God's word and how it can actually stir our hearts to experience God's love more. Well, Thomas, thank you for giving us this teaching. As you said, we do need help. And I believe you've given help to listeners and to me. And everyone else, please watch for our next episode and it will talk a little bit more about methods. We'll talk about methods for reading the Bible each day and then methods for responding to what we've read, responding to God in prayer. So let's build ourselves up in our most holy faith together. Mm -hmm.